0: I just remembered how hype I was on the Celtics coming into the season, and you just made me flashback to all the dumb things I said.
1: Hello and welcome. To the friday may 14th edition of the tv on basketball podcast with your host tv hope you're all f- having a fantastic day and thank you for clicking on to watch or listen to today's episode today's episode is definitely going to be a special one we are doing our end of year um nba award show we're going to do all the usual awards like we like i do every single year but this time i'm gonna be adding my own awards to it And of course, I think this is the first year I'm actually going to have a guest on this award show. Um, Welcome, Tony Tucker of Project Drivel and also of Warzone Sports Network. How's it going, Tony?
0: Thank you, brother. I am so happy to be back making my second appearance on the pod. Um, I believe last time I was on, we may have talked midseason awards and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, we we were also, we were talking about, I believe it was, we did an all-star draft, we were talking about stuff that was going on with the Lakers because that was, I think, just after LeBron and AD got injured, so you were definitely in a sour mood, but, <laughs> but um, they're back, they're back for sure, and I think the Lakers, although they might play in the in tournament, I'm still pretty confident about them going forward.
0: I got my you'll see in the background here I did this on purpose, right? Because yeah. when Steph Curry goes off for sixty in the first one, then it might be Spurs Lakers, you know, okay. playing okay. for the eight seed right there.
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness. I can like I can already imagine like honestly that game could bring in just as many viewers as the nba finals and i think this is this is exactly what the league wants people like they want eyes tuned into the freaking playing tournament and this is exactly what they need freaking lebron and steph curry fighting it out to get into the playoffs but yeah today's episode is going to be very detailed we're going to go through all of the awards of course extra awards and yeah it's going to be a really fun episode Remember, if you haven't already, to follow TV on basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates on the podcast and for other content. Remember to also subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and on any of the podcast networks. That will be highly appreciated. And just support Tony in any way possible. I'm going to have his links to his Instagram page in my link tree, as well as the Warzone Sports Network, which he has joined um, and has been fully involved in over the last few weeks or so. So you should definitely go check out what they're doing over there. They put up awesome content. But, yeah, let's start getting to this episode. I mean, it's been a while. Um, actually, let's talk about, firstly, the sport, the war, uh, the Warzone Sports Network. I mean, what are you guys doing over there? And, like, how, And like, what have you been doing, like, um, moving to that network? Uh,
0: yeah, so I joined up with them, and I'm hosting their live shows Monday, Wednesday, Friday nights. Uh, it's usually around 5.15 Pacific Standard Time. It's a lot of uh, whatever sort of trending. and, and Yeah. NFL's king in sports talk. It's also my favorite sport to sort of like to talk about because so many people are knowledgeable. I love to talk about the NBA, but it's it's rare to find somebody who watches the NBA like I do, you know, like and that's why I enjoy engaging with you. A lot of times it's the casual fan. They wait till, you know, the the playoffs to really get into basketball. So it's tougher because there's a lot more bias. Yeah. Although it doesn't really matter. Anyways, Warzone, putting up stuff all the time. Uh, got football shows, basketball shows, uh, hopefully getting fantasy football, uh, MMA show. Lots of things uh, happening over there and more things to roll out over the summer. Um, yeah. yeah, go to Warzone Sports Network on YouTube and, and support it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I know quite a number of people in that network as well. We also, um, one of the guests we had formerly on the show, Brian from Bolstered Up Sports is also a part of that network. If you listen to that episode, you definitely know about him. So yeah, lots of great sports personalities. You guys should go definitely check it out. And honestly, all that stuff you did with the draft and stuff, getting all those different analysts and stuff like that to like make their picks for like a mock draft. I mean, that was, that was insane. Just like going through all that. I mean, man, like you guys are putting in work over there.
0: Absolutely. And that that's a big credit to Joe and Mike just being relentless, you know, like them going, I had nothing to do. I just showed up and hosted like I was just as shocked as everybody else that they were able to get a lot of the people that they got. And then also being able to include a lot of up and coming, you know, NFL podcasters and content creators in that. And it was uh, it was a huge success, I believe.
1: Yeah, it was really good. They have a lot of good stuff over there. Obviously, Tony's show going on. You got the Friday Night Wars. You got the Sports First show. They got a lot of stuff. If you're just a general sports fan as well, just go check them out. But Tony, let's move past that. Are you ready to talk some NBA?
0: Yes, sir. Let's do it.
1: Let's do this. Before we get into the award show, um, I would, I really want to talk about this because this happened literally the day after I posted the Monday podcast, Russell Westbrook. Um, The triple-double king, everyone is now anointing him as such. 182 triple-doubles in his career, surpassing what many people thought that was going to be an unbreakable record 10 years ago. Um, Oscar Roberts at 181. And Russell Westbrook, along with with his fourth triple-double season, um, averaging a triple-double. I mean, it's insane. He did it against the Hawks. It was in a one-point loss. He, he, He threw up a brick at the end there, but who cares? He got the record. Tony, how does... How do you feel about this um, accomplishment that Russell Westbrook just did?
0: Uh, I'm really happy for Russell Westbrook. And I think that a lot of the the negativity around surrounding Russell, like he's such a lightning rod, is the fact that he's a little prickly with fans and media and stuff like that. But overall, like I'm really a, a fan of watching him play basketball because he's the kind of you know all-out effort player that you love as a fan. You When you see guys hot-dogging it out there, it, it gets frustrating. You never see that with him. I would love for him to have more playoff success, but you and I have talked about this in the past. I'm not sure what the perfect fit was other than with KD, and this is something that I've really come to the realization to. The biggest mistake in his career will be not – understanding how, what the, the sacrifice that Scottie Pippen made, right? Like yeah. Scottie Pippen easily could have been a legit number one star on 29 other basketball teams. But he understood that all of the other little things that he could do and ride shotgun and get just as much shine while it was going on. Right. I mean, I guess not just as much. We're talking about Michael Jordan, (laughs) global brand, but like, it's a pretty good run to the top as Scottie Pippen. So Mm -hmm. like, I don't really, I'm never one of those people that's, I don't know. I'm getting too, too far into the weeds on this, but you get what I'm saying. I'm happy. It's very impressive.
1: Yeah. And the thing, I don't know, like I like the point you brought up there because like, whenever I talk to like other NBA fans, we talk about, um, we talk about how Russell Westbrook, really shouldn't be a number one option on a championship team just because he's such a, like a firecracker in the sense where you don't know when he's going to completely just go off, do his thing. He can shoot you into a game. He could also shoot you out of it. He's just such a weird paradox to have on your team. But that whole Scottie Pippen thing, like my only thing with Russell Westbrook is that you can't change who he is. And this is just who he is as a basketball player. I mean, he, I don't, I don't see him playing any other way. And maybe that's a bad thing it's probably a bad thing at times but at the same time he is true he stays true to himself he does his own thing i mean he just he's breaking records left right and center um and it's honestly this has been extremely impressive especially because talking just basketball six years ago i mean everyone had in their like unbreakable records list that no one's gonna pass oscar robertson triple double record no way no one's gonna pass and um, he's gonna do another triple double season no way well, Russell Westbrook has now have four of these and now he's breaking the record. I mean, I don't know if you remember like talking basketball back in the day, but did you think that this was unbreakable as well before Westbrook started doing this?
0: To me, this, the the Big O's record was incredibly untouchable because I, I grew up watching Magic Johnson, who was a guy that got a lot of triple doubles. And then I watched a lot of Jason Kidd. He got a lot of triple doubles and he started to flame out, you know, towards, the end of his career, although he did get what they called a lot of Jason Kidd, that you know that's where the Jason Kidd triple double was yeah, like did, eleven did, points, eleven yeah. rebounds, and thirteen assists or whatever. Yeah, it's like it's still it's still a good stat. I, I really did think this record was untouchable. It'll it'll feel the same way when Steph Curry finishes. We'll think, oh, these records are untouchable, but that's what re- records are meant to be broken. It's an old cliche and that's for a reason. It's like nobody ever thought that the, you know, 4-minute mile would be broken. And then all of a sudden somebody crushed it and it it just keeps going on. It's the evolution of human beings. They become more superior. It's why I say that like when you look at the era that LeBron James is playing in, the average person out there athletically is far superior to what it was when I was a kid. Like a lot of the guys that were playing when I was younger wouldn't even get minutes on today's NBA rosters because the average ability raises with each generation. And it'll be the same thing. We'll start to see more guys that are athletically gifted supreme. The thing that separates them is what goes on in between here. How can you handle pressure moments late in games? And I think you, you touched on something about the style of player that Russell was to me, it's not that it's more of a personality trait. It's being able to understand. If you look at what KD was able to do in golden state, Steph and clay were like, come on, bro. We'll, we'll play defense. We'll play off ball more and make big shots because KD is just that supremely gifted a seven foot guy who can shoot and dribble like that he has to be your number one option late in games because he balls like that. So, yes, to answer the first question, I thought this record was untouchable, which is what makes what Russell Westbrook did mind-blowing to be able to break this record and still be going strong.
1: Yeah, I can honestly see him getting upwards of like 250 triple-doubles by the end of his career, which sounds insane, but that's just the way Russell Westbrook is. Um, I love the point there that you talked about that's just kind of his personality – at that point, like I said, he's just being himself, and I and that's something to admire. But that's also something. If you're a championship contender, do you want that personality on your team? Probably not. But you know, this record highly, highly impressive. Congrats to Russell Westbrook for making history, like he did, like he has been doing over these past five, six seasons or so. Let's move on to the NBA awards. We have lots of awards to get to. Um, Obviously, we're going to start off with kind of the lower two rewards, and then we're going to build our way to the top. How me and Tony are going to do this is we're going to be talking about our top three candidates per award. And then afterwards, we're going to debate who we think the winner is. Tony, you already met, you're already like talking at the post earlier today, just a couple hours ago, saying that you got some picks there. that That's going to that's gonna shock a lot of people.
0: Yes. As you know, I am not. Afraid to say ridiculous things that I actually believe. I don't say them for hot takes, you know. Like yeah. I have told you my Chris Middleton theory, and you and the rest of the internet thinks that I'm an idiot for that. You, if you want to know that, you gotta, you gotta DM me personally. Where, do, where do you want to start?
1: Let's. We're gonna start. the way still- I,
0: Let's start. Let's let's
1: start with the young guys. Let's start with the young guys. Let's go with the rookie of the year um obviously the rookie of the year talking about the best rookie in the nba this season tony who are your three candidates
0: so i'm gonna start and i'm gonna go do you want me to give mine an order is that how you no. want it you want me to give? no
1: no I'll, I'll you say your three candidates i say my three candidates and then i'll ask for your um winner and then we'll just debate it out a, bit, a little bit okay
0: so all right obviously Lamelo ball is in this conversation absolutely okay. incredible uh what he's been able to do um, also on my, my list of three, I have, uh, Anthony Edwards from, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. I love this kid and he's got personality and track. I really think the NBA is going to be able to market this kid in this game and stuff like that. And the last person to make my list is the Detroit Pistons city Bay. Nice. I, I just, nice. I really like the way he plays. He's tall. He shoots the three ball. He's going to have a nice career in the NBA because of the way his game is set up and the, how rangy he is.
1: Yeah. Very, very good selection. Sadiq Bay. I mean, he was I think the second guy that the Pistons drafted in last year's draft. And he honestly is like sh- showed a lot of like promise. He's a very good three point shooter. And I honestly was very surprised him and Isaiah Stewart out there. They got, they got some things brewing there over in Detroit in terms of my candidates. We have two similar ones. Kamelo Ball, obviously, the impact that he's brought to Charlotte and the way he's been playing his rookie season—absolutely um, undeniably good. I mean, he's been absolutely fantastic this year. Anthony Edwards, I mean, this guy is probably the best interview in the NBA right now. I mean, he like all the all the sound bites that you get from this guy is absolutely fantastic. And it even started before the season when he was talking with that person about like all the sports he played and stuff. I mean, he's just absolute gold in terms of media. And then my final um, candidate is Tyrese Aliburton of the Sacramento Kings. He, Whenever I watch this guy play, it doesn't feel like he's a rookie. He just makes all the right decisions. He is super efficient for a rookie, 47% from the field. He's over 40% from three. I mean, he just does everything well. He's not elite at anything, but he does just has a great all-around game. And that's why I have him on my list as well. But, Tony, you got your three candidates. Who is your winner for Rookie of the Year?
0: Okay. So I don't know how I want to word this. I'll say this. I'll just go ahead. My winner is Anthony Edwards. And here is why. He has played in every game. He has gotten better and better, right? The confidence has improved. I I've watched him more than any of the other rookies. I'll be honest. I know that the league has kind of been forcing LaMelo on us, but after that second, uh, Game against the Lakers, I was like, "Wow, this kid really improved from their first meeting to their second meeting." And I started watching, you know, jumping in on a few games. They'd be like, "Oh, this is up on, you know, you you see NBA uh, TV is like, oh, the T Wolves game is on right now. Well, I'll pop in for a minute and watch this kid ball." I am such a fan of him. And at first I wasn't because he said that crazy stuff about like, I don't even know if I want to play basketball or whatever that quote was. I'm misquoting him, but I was like, you're, you're going to be the number one pick. And you'd seem kind of like blase about professional basketball, which was weird. But now that I see it and I'm starting to understand young people a little bit more, like really engaging (laughs) in social media, like it's just people that are, half my age they're very they're very different in how they operate and think and whatever else and i was a little bit old manish on my rush to judgment of him um i've since embraced him he's my guy the reason i don't have lamello and halliburton didn't make my list is because of the time missed and then i, I went and i looked at this just to make sure the hornets were 10 and 11 without so they were basically 500 without LaMelo. They're a, basically a 500 team with or without him. So it didn't really, he didn't change. Had that been more like they were 15 and seven without LaMelo or something like that, I the numbers the are probably way, yeah. uh, 15 yeah. and six in the 21 games he missed, I probably would have went LaMelo just because of that impact. But since they're both kind of having similar impacts, I'm going. I'm going Anthony Edwards.
1: Yeah, definitely a good choice. Uh, Even till now, like, I mean, Anthony Edwards definitely, like, has gone better throughout the season. I definitely agree with that point. In the beginning, he was averaging, like, 13 points a game. He was not very efficient, under 40% from the field. But as he got, you know, throughout the season, especially over these last two months or so, he's looked like a very good, like, one or number two option. Obviously, it hasn't really translated to wins. The Timberwolves are still, like, the the second like worst team in basketball, I believe, or somewhere near there. But I'm gonna have to agree with you. My rookie of the year is Anthony Edwards. And it's mostly because of the time missed. I mean, I don't want to like um like focus too much on like time missed this year compared to other years just because of the whole COVID situation, the shortened off season. It just isn't a regular season. So I'm willing to kind of have a little bit of leeway there. But Anthony Edwards, just the improvement he's made from especially the first half to the second half, I'm gonna to have to agree with you. He is just taking a next leap. Um, besides being like a great soundbite like off the court, he has had some ridiculous highlights on the court as well, along with Lomella Ball. He he looks like he's gonna be a really good player for the Timberwolves down the line. It's just all about if they can um, figure it out with Carl Anthony Towns along with D'Angelo Russell, but Anthony Edwards, man, um, I was in the same boat as you. I wasn't sure like how he was gonna do coming out the draft just because he just like I don't know if you remember about Tracy McGrady before, but whenever he talked to the media, he just he felt like so like nonchalant, like he kind of like feels like he didn't like want to talk to people. Anthony Edwards is there. He's like super like into it. I mean he said he could be basically a professional athlete anywhere, but I guess that's just a confidence in him. I love the, like, I love his personality. I have him as my rookie of the year. Yeah. 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 Go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, I I really like that. And I think it doesn't, the Tim. I've heard a lot of people say, "Well, the Timberwolves have the second worst record." Sure, they play in the Western Conference. If they played an Eastern Conference schedule, I think it'd be a little more favorable, and they'd probably be in that sort of like playing style, like where the where the Hornets are at now.
1: Yeah, I mean, twenty like he also played twenty more games for Lamelo. I mean, I have a Lamelo second, but at the same time, Anthony Edwards did play very well in the time he's uh, that Lamelo missed as well let's move on to the second award of the of this episode and we're gonna be talking about the six man of the year award obviously the best player coming off the bench uh, uh this nba season i'm gonna start off with my candidates this time and then i'm gonna to go to tony's uh, my three candidates jordan clarkson of the utah jazz just has been a consistent piece for them all season the second um, highest average scoring, um, just like the second most in points on that team, 18 points a game. He's been having a really good season. I also have Jalen Brunson of the Dallas Mavericks. He really does remind me of the days of JJ Barea when um, he was part of those um, championship Mavericks teams. Just like a very solid backup guard who can relieve pressure off of Doncic, and he will always make, who's efficient and can make the right decision. And then I have Derek Rose, Derek Rose, ever since coming to the New York Knicks has made a massive impact on them coming off the bench. And he has really embraced the role as a six man, even though he's a former MVP, he's been absolutely fantastic. And those are my three candidates, Tony, who you got?
0: Oh, uh, I love it. Okay. I am right there with you on Jordan Clarkson, right? Um, yeah. he is going to, we'll, we'll get, we'll, you know, we'll get into Clarkson more in a minute, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I would like to also echo you on Derek Rose because he comes in, he can sort of, he can translate the Thibodeau message. Because a lot of people don't like Tom Thibodeau's style. It, it feels like it's just, it's very heavy on players. It's very grinding his intensity and it, it wears people out. But if you get a guy, a veteran like Derek Rose, he can sort of translate that message coming off the bench He played very well in the fourth quarter against the Lakers the other night. It was entertaining. By the way, if you guys want to see the defense still exists in the current NBA, go back and watch that Pistons Knicks. I mean, uh, sorry, excuse me, the Knicks Lakers game. Oh yeah, the overtime game.
1: The overtime game. Yeah, Yeah.
0: they were beating each other up and just like shot clock violations because they were smothering (laughs) that game. Was intense. It was so much fun. Yeah, and. THT hitting that three. Yeah. Of Game. Course. Love it. Anyways, my last sixth man is to a guy that I never thought would accept this role. Ever. Derek Rose at least is humble and quiet. Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. Right there. Carmelo yeah. coming off the bench in Portland to me is it's it's absolutely outstanding. And I think for the continued success needed in Portland this guy's going to have to continue to be able to give them this kind of production late in games. I mean, coming off the bench in the game.
1: Yes. Yes. hundred percent. I like those um, decisions for me. It was between Jalen Brunson and Carmelo Anthony. Um, I don't know why I've been watching a lot of Dallas Mavericks game and I just love Jalen Brunson's game. He just always seems to make the right decision. Like he's like, your prototypical backup point guard that every team wants and he and he's been doing great things for them basically ever since he's got to the dallas mavericks by the hint you gave earlier i believe we should have the same six yeah. men of the year for me i got jordan clarkson yeah jordan clarkson yes he's had a fantastic year one of the players like julius randall like Brandon Ingram, who have left the Lakers and just absolutely <laughs> tore tore things up. It just it's it, it's more of a tradition at this point. And Jordan Clarkson, um, I think especially with the first half of the season, he was averaging almost twenty points a game. I know some people like had these ridiculous takes that he could be an All Star. I mean, it, it's not like too far out of the picture, but yeah, he's been absolutely fantastic. Kind of slowed down ever since the All Star break, but I think he just built up that lead ever since the beginning um, by so much. And yeah, he's my sixteenth of the year.
0: Well, obviously the jazz are going to need, I mean, they need Donovan Mitchell. He's their number one option. He has to get back and be healthy for this jazz team to not let down on this top, uh, you know, top record, because if they catch, if they catch the Lakers in in the first round without oh Donovan Mitchell, <laughs> I just, it's, it's, it's not going to be pretty. Um, but Jordan Clarkson has been absolutely amazing. He stepped into the starting role a few times. If they need a game, he gets 40. Like, he just – he can score. He's confident. He's gotten better. And there's no player right now that I would rather have coming off my bench first and still having the ability to finish games. Carmelo has that too, but I just think Clarkson is younger. It's more sustainable. He's been absolutely amazing. Uh, so I, I just have to say that it's Jordan Clarkson for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, his impact on the jazz cannot be denied, like whether it's just going to the paid, whether it's shooting the three ball, he has just been a massive part of the jazz's team and a a big part of that really good bench of theirs along with Joe Ingalls for most of the season. Same thing with, um, George's Niang. They just have a really good team down there in Utah. Obviously they're going to need Donovan Mitchell, but Jordan Clarkson is an extremely important piece to that team. Let's move on to the next award. And we're going to be talking about the most improved player. Some people, <laughs> the thing about the most improved player, I don't know if you get this when you talk to basketball and other people, but people have like a, like different definitions of most improved. Some people look at the stats. Some people say, oh, if this guy is in just like, just uh, move from the bench to the starting lineup and gets his stats, it doesn't count. But how do you feel about this
0: most improved player? I know a lot of people are,
1: are like
0: iffy on the fence on it. So that was going to be the beginning of my speech is that how do you define the most improved player? Now, to me, one of the favorites hasn't really made He was already a 20 and 10 guy. Now he's just like elevated it to borderline superstar first team all NBA. You know, yeah. for me, I have a couple guys on my list. This is the one where I said you're going to laugh and you're going to you're going to give me a hard time. But two of the guys on my list, I'll start with Gary Trent Jr. Now, you look at where the points and everything have gone up a little bit, but to me it was more about the confidence. It was about this player realizing it was his time in Portland to step up and start filling that role that C.J. McCollum left. I really believe part of the reason that they couldn't keep him there was because he was too similar to McCollum And they're not going to offer him a big contract to stick around. So they got your boy, uh, Norman Powell, who is a great fit for that Portland team as well and can do a lot of the things. But Gary Trent jr. Has emerged to a guy. I would be happy being my third option on a, on my basketball team because the way he can rip the three and he competes. So I love Gary Trent jr. Now from my Los Angeles Lakers, T H T and dynamite. This guy has, he didn't play a lot last year because he was in the G league. And I have a little bit of an affinity for many reasons. One, we share the last name. We're both a couple of light skinned brothers. And while I was working out at the gym last year, they always played the Lakers G league game. So I would see the youngest and Kumpo playing. And I would see Taylor Horton Tucker. And I would just see him filling it up out there. And I was like, Kind of awkward and goofy looking and he's out of control and he gets hit in the face a lot because he leans forward too much. But THT is he's he's just getting so much more confident, and it's easier to gain confidence when LeBron and AD are the ones patting you on the back and saying, Go for it, kid, take this shot, drive to the hoop late and get he stepped up and hit a three against the Knicks the other day, and I was like, Oh man, I can't wait for you to continue to grow. And I could see him at some point being a reliable third player on a team. Not now. It's about three, four years away. But I could see him being a reliable third player, scoring defense effort. And my last guy is the one that everybody talks about is Julius Randle. To me, he qualifies in my most improved category in this one based on his jump from good to great. That's the... So that I, I have both categories.
1: Yeah, um, I definitely like those. Yeah, those um, suggestions. Yeah, they're interesting. <laughs> interesting. I mean, the Gary Chet one, I like, I like that one. I mean, he's definitely like definitely like there in terms of like improvement. He filled it up when McCollum was gone and then they realized, wait, yeah. I guess it's too similar for sure. He's probably a better defender, but it's just a bit too similar. But I'm glad that the Raptors have him. I'm a huge fan of his. Hopefully he could stay long-term for us. Um, Taylor Horn Tucker, I mean, he's improved. He has definitely improved. But I see him winning the award maybe two or three years down the line where he can maybe, like, take a step from what he is right now to maybe, like, a 17, 18-point-per-game score. I just think that most improved this year – yeah, interesting, interesting choice over there. The Laker bias, hmm, it's it's smelling kind of it's it's smelling kind of strong over there. But yeah, the one the one candidate that we agree on, Julius Randle, he's been absolutely fantastic for the Knicks, um, from good to great. That is my favorite type of most improved player candidate, someone who has been good for like a good chunk of his career, a la Victor Oladipo, um, Paul George back in the day, and then just taking that next step to near superstardom. Two other guys I had as my candidates. Jeremy Grant, he bet on himself going to the Detroit Pistons, and he's taken that number one option. He's been actually very good, scoring over 22 points a game. Pretty solid percentages. Plays very well in the defensive end though. He's one of my candidates. And then also Jalen Brown. I know the Celtics are a hard-talking point to talk about just because they've been very, very disappointing this year. But Jalen Brown, to a lesser extent than than Julius Randle, was a good player last year but then he has elevated his game to all-star level. Um, If I'm the Celtics, I'm very comfortable with him being the second option going forward in the future. That's why he is my candidate. But, Tony, after talking about your candidates, who do you have winning most improved?
0: Okay, so in my defense, you are right. THT is a few years away from being an actual real contender. He needs to work his way into a regular starting role and increase his three-point. Julius Randle is my winner. Because, like I said, when you go good to great, it is you're stepping into an elite class in the NBA. His three-point ability has impressed me so much, so you can tell he worked on that. His rebounding tenacity when you see him on the offensive glass, like trying to work out there and tip balls, playing big guys, playing smaller guys, taking anybody off the dribble who stands in front of him. Um I really like the leap that he has made. And for that reason, when I can say you were good, but now I'm like, is he a top 10 player in the NBA? That means something happened. You improved. The league didn't come back to you. You caught up and jumped ahead.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to have to agree with you there. Julius Randle is my most improved player as well. What's crazy to believe is that last year on the New York Knicks, people said that he was a dead contract. He was putting up empty numbers on a bad team. Like people almost just wrote Julius Randle off completely this year. He has taken that criticism and he's taken his game to a whole new level. Honestly, the two games I watched him like versus the Raptors, it, it like, it, it, hurt me to see him just hit step back three after step back three. I mean, just the improvement he's made both on the offensive and de- defensive side has been absolutely fantastic. He's probably even going to make an all-NBA team, which I talked about in my last episode. I have him in one of my all-NBA teams. And just like just a change of perspective from fans and players alike around the league on Julius Randle and the way he just completely turned around this year is something extremely amazing to see. And man, honestly, I have him as a top 20 player right now. But on his projection, he could definitely get better down the line.
0: Well, winning, winning cures a lot of veils, right? And I think yeah. that – I don't remember who the coach was last year. Um, oh, wasn't it, like,
1: it was like Mike Miller, some dude named Mike
0: Miller. Mike Miller, Mike Woodson, Mike somebody. It doesn't <laughs> It doesn't even matter because you have to be able to use the ability. And here's the thing. like I was talking to somebody whose father is a Knicks fan. He's like, oh, the Knicks are going to get a bunch of players. They're not. The Knick, this is as good as it's going to get for the Knicks. Here's the good news for the New York Knicks. If they can figure out a way to keep Julius Randle there and keep him happy with Thibodeau, and you have Emmanuel quick, quickly coming up, Obi Toppin, uh, top because Thibodeau doesn't like to play a lot of young guys. It's very Phil Jackson like that. A lot of good veteran coaches on teams that, are, that want to be competitive. They don't play their young guys a ton of minutes. But Toppin, quickly, these guys are going to start to emerge with Randall's ability now to step out and hit the three that frees up the center. That's exactly to me, max players, you have to be able to hit the three and be dominant. You can't just be done. I'm watching Andre Drummond out there for the Lakers. If somebody gives this guy max money somewhere next year, I will go ahead, but it better not be. And I know it won't be the Lakers, but like, I just am out there. I'm like, dude, you're just in the center And you rebound offensively, but Julius Randle in that position on the Lakers, it would be insane right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that, again, we talked about Jordan Carson earlier, but Julius Randle, took his opportunity like after like getting out the lights of Los Angeles now under the lights of New York and he has rejuvenated that franchise and who knows they have like 40 million in cap room over the next two years maybe they could bring someone in and maybe the Knicks could become a formidable contender once again which they haven't been in a while and Julius Randle I think is like a big reason as to why things are turning around for this team. Let's take a break from these, from the usual awards. Um, I did say at the top of the show that I was going to add like my own awards here. The three awards we're going to be discussing next are, is the most surprising team in a positive way um, this year, the most disappointing team, and also the highlight of the year. So um, it's going to be a great um, three topics to discuss. We're going to start off with the most surprising team. And I'm going to go with my three candidates to start off with. Let's start off with the Utah Jazz. For me, I knew that they were a good team going into the season, but the way that they improved their three-point three shooting to and take it up to the next level to become the best team in basketball this regular season has just been highly impressive to me, and honestly, I did not see coming. The Phoenix Suns, I knew that they were going to be in the playoff mix. Um, I have them as a great, surprising team. But to be the number two seed in the West, I mean – The Chris Paul effect is like a running theme on this show, but it is real and it is definitely still in effect there in Phoenix. And then we just talked about Julius Randle to the New York Knicks. I had them as a borderline playoff team. I didn't even know if they're going to make it this year. And now they're like tied for the fourth or fifth place right now in the East. And a lot to do that has to do with Julius Randle, obviously bringing in um, Tom Thibodeau, but man, they have surprised me a lot. Tony, who are your three teams?
0: So uh we are right there. I think the the Jazz who didn't make my list, um, but I get it. So I have Suns, Knicks, and then the one team that you didn't really uh that you didn't hit on at all. For me, it's the Sixers being atop the the Eastern Conference. And if you told me that Embiid was healthy the whole year, I'd be like, Yeah, it makes sense. But they've been able to continue and sustain a top without MB being, you know, playing all 68 games or whatever so far this year. So I really like what Doc has done. We'll see if it translates in in the postseason or whatever. But I think just bringing in a new coach, Doc style, the team staying healthy, continuing to grow and, and be able to – have a couple game lead in the east the last time i checked i'm not sure what it is now but the last time i looked at it they had a 2 3 game little gap between them and uh the, the nets, nets and the bucks yeah. and stuff like that so i it's surprising to me maybe not maybe other people were like oh i knew the sixers would be at the top of the east well you're a liar you thought it was going to be the bucks and you thought it was going to be the nets super team like so i i think uh i think that's sort of my third surprising team there
1: yeah and honestly, they were—they almost made it over to Jazz for me. They almost made it there. Um, Doc Rivers has done a great job over there. Um, Joel Embiid, obviously having the best season of his career is a big part of it. But just getting like, the defense, um, one of the best defenses in basketball, um, just knowing like w- what their strengths are and actually like going to those strengths has been a big thing for them this year. And that's a big reason why they're number one in the East. But my winner for this award has to be the New York Knicks. I'm not going to go too much into them because we did talk a lot about Julius Randle, but man, this this team, like going to the next level, I mean, just even talking about people like outside of Randle, Derrick Rose has been a great addition for them. RJ Barrett has taken a next step after not even making an all-rookie team last year, but he has been great this year. You talked about quickly, Obi Toppin hasn't played much, but he has still shown some promise. And they're doing a lot of this success without their starting center and Mitchell Robinson, and they're still getting wins, which has been absolutely impressive as well. New Orleans Noel has had a revival there in New York. He has been one of, honestly, like one of the best defenders to watch this year. And yeah, they're my pick for my most surprising team this year. Who do you have?
0: Well, that's the great thing about Thibodeau is he keeps it simple. So New Orleans Noel is going to be asked to do anything that he can't do, which is which is great. You know, it's why you get success from pop and stuff. Since you took the the uh, Knicks, I'll send some love towards uh, towards the Suns and Monty Williams and Chris Paul mm-hmm. as the biggest surprise. I had the Suns as an eight seed in the West, but to be pushing for the number one seed in the Western Conference is It's I did not see this coming like what Chris Paul was able to do with the Thunder last year. And you're watching this team. Now, a lot of people are saying it's fool's gold. They're out in the first round and what in a seven game series, this isn't sustainable to me. It will continue to be Chris Paul's intensity and his ability to keep these guys focused and in the right spots, making sure their rotations are right. You know, extra ball movement those type of things. So I would say the job that Monty Williams has done is I would go ahead and and I'll give it to uh, the Suns as the most surprising team.
1: Yeah. I mean, the whole Chris Paul thing, I mean, he took the Houston rock, like he was a big part of the Houston Rockets being one game away from the NBA finals. He took a thunder team last year to the fifth seed in the West, which no one had no one seen coming. And now what he's doing with the Suns. I mean, there's a trend here. Chris Paul is a massive part of that team. And yes, That is a very good choice for most surprising team. But let's go to the flip side. I mean, there has been some great stories in the NBA last year. Now let's talk about the disappointing teams. And Tony, let's throw it back to you. Who are your three most disappointing teams of this season?
0: Okay, so I'm going with the Wizards. Right, They have been strong at the end of the year, but the beginning, the start was dreadful. They should not be in the situation they're in right now with Westbrook and and, uh, Bradley Beal. Um, And I don't think it's a coaching thing. I just, I mean, whatever, just trying to figure out how to blend with Russell or whatever. It just should have happened sooner. You didn't get a lot of practice time, maybe COVID, whatever. I don't know, but I just... I had higher aspirations for the Wizards. I had the Wizards as a top five in the East, and they're struggling to get in uh, on the back end of this plan situation. Uh, next I'm going to the Pelicans because come on, Van Gundy, you, you got a lot of talent over there. You're you're ruining Adam Silver's dream of having LeBron versus Steph in a plan and Ja versus Zion in a plan. You're ruining Adam Silver's dream to be greedy and steal a bunch of money. To make up for the games missed and attendance and everything else. Um, and lastly, the Lakers. Like, and this is basically just due to injury, you know, it's like in its injury management. Now, LeBron's is maybe not uh, not his fault, you know, but I don't I, I just can't help but think that maybe he's not as stressed and whatever if he's not playing 40 plus minutes in three straight overtime games in January or something like that, like maybe he doesn't sort of lackadaisically dribble in and somebody falls in it's like injuries are freak and whatever. But this to me has just been the season of, I thought players would be resting, but resting smartly, not resting out of necessity. And maybe I'm just, I'm kind of in my feelings on this one. I probably could have went elsewhere on this, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw a little bit at the Lakers is disappointing,
1: man. Those are some like definitely some interesting choices. This is like the one award. I believe we're going to have all episode long that none of our candidates are the same whatsoever. So you talked about your team being disappointed. I'm going to talk about my team, the Toronto Raptors sitting 12th place in the East, breaking their eight year um, streak of making the playoffs. And look, I understand that moving to Tampa, having basically playing every single game away, seeing the Tampa fans boo the Toronto Raptors, too, that breaks my heart. That absolutely breaks my heart, seeing that the Tampa fans boot the Raptors, uh, just bring them back to Toronto. But yeah, I mean, even still, I just think that they had the talent to still like compete, especially in the East. I mean, starting Aaron Baines for, like, 50 games did not help that whatsoever. He has been absolutely horrible this year. But, I mean, I just thought this team was just good enough to even get to, like, a seventh or eighth seed. But, no, we're 12th, we're and honestly, it's a disappointing year all around. A team that not a lot of people may think about, but the Portland Trailboys, for me, one of the most disappointing teams. And a big part of that was that the additions they made in the offseason, um, bringing in Robert Covington, bringing in Derrick Jones Jr., their offseason was basically – them focusing on trying to improve on the defensive end, which they were bottom five this year, of um, last year. But this year, they're just as bad. It's it's horrible to watch them. I mean, they're playing basically the same way they have been the last few years and just trying to outscore teams. And the fact that they, like, even bringing in these guys um, and still not being able to improve on the defensive end, I have to point to the coaching on that one because you know that you're not going to get any defense from Dame or CJ at this point. Even making that trade for Norman Powell, I mean, you traded away someone um, someone in Gary Trent who was one of their bare defenders, and you just got another offensive player. I mean, still questionable moves. I mean, they're ending the season um, right, but still, I'd see them as disappointing. And then I got the Boston Celtics. I mean, man, oh, man. I mean, Jeff from SportsBe, if you're listening to this, I know you don't want to hear this, but man, oh, man, this team has just not been good whatsoever, whether it's been injuries whether it's that center position, which they still haven't really figured out to this day. Um, obviously the Jalen Brown situation hurts now, but I had this team as like a top three seed in the East and now they're seventh. And now at this point, I'm even worried about them getting out of the play in tournament. Like that's just, it's just been a horrible year for the Celtics. I think this like the Celtics fans just seeing their Instagram and their Twitter accounts. It's just really depressing to see their, their, their fans crying about stuff. It's just, it's just really sad. And those are my three teams. But who do you have as the most disappointing team this year?
0: You have convinced me. You have changed it. You have given me a revelation because I didn't have a third team, so that's why I just went with the Lakers off the top of my head. I'm bumping out the Lakers. They're still disappointing. But I'm going with the Boston Celtics as the most – I just remembered how hype I was on the Celtics coming into the season, and you just made me flashback to all the dumb things I said – Jason Tatum is going to push for MVP. This team is young. These athletes are going to be able to run these back-to-backs, no problem. Two young studs, and they were bad with them or without them. It didn't matter. Kemba's fallen apart. Now we have this unfortunate injury to Jalen Brown's wrist. I was so bummed when I saw that. I was like, these two young kids are going to get in. And li-. I still have this like weird little bit of hope. Because I'm a big Jason Tatum fan. I think Jason Tatum is going to be sort of the next guy in the NBA. He did have the COVID issues this year. But I was like, Danny Ainge is going to win GM of the year, and he's going to make a trade for a center. Andre Drummond would be such a better fit on the Celtics than he is on the Lakers. I'm glad the Lakers have him because he is a good offensive rebounder. But – He would have been such a better fit for for the Celtics than he fits on the Lakers right now. I think LeBron's really going to have to try to like figure out how to get him some easy alley hoops and stuff when he gets going. The problem is they're going to be trying to figure that out in the first round against the Phoenix Suns. Um, But yeah, you just, during your speech, I was like, TV's right. I don't know if you're picking the Celtics or not, but I'm Uh like, yeah, you're right. The Celtics have been horribly disappointing. Yeah.
1: If you're going to Celtics, I'm also going to Celtics. I had him as <laughs> as, as this I had him as a second best team in the East coming into the season. I was so high on them. I thought that I I mean to be fair, the first two weeks, Jason Tatum looked like he was on the track to becoming an MVP candidate. Then COVID happened, and then they still they traded for Evan Fournier instead of trading for a center. This team is just a mess. I still got hope for the Jalen Brown Jason Tatum duo. It's just the surrounding pieces. I think they really need to really like evaluate and see what they have to do moving forward. But man, I had this as like a guaranteed top three team and now they're seventh. And I'm like, look, I don't even know if they're going to get out to play in tournament with the way that they're playing. They lost to the Cavs yesterday by eight and they were on an 11 game losing streak. I mean, this is as bad as it gets for a Celtics team with this much talent. I mean, yeah, the Celtics. I went animals. on
0: a podcast and said they were going to the NBA Finals this year. I was like I, – I was saying that this was going to – I remember spending – my Instagram story after Jason Tatum hit that game-winning bank three against – I think it was like the Bucks in the was opening Bucks, game yeah. of the season. Yeah. I was like, this is going to be a, a Jason Tatum fan account or something. Like, I was so hype on Tatum and the Celtics and the East and it was going to be a wrap. These young kids are going to run the East and it has been a train wreck from jump street. So you're, you're right. I don't know why I slipped on the Celtics (laughs) trying to push it it out of my memory. Just all the dumb things I said.
1: Same here, man. Same here. This has been just not a good year whatsoever for the Celtics, but let's move on to the final um, fun award before we go in back into the regular award show. Let's talk about highlight of the year. Um, obviously, I mean, highlights are better with the fans there, but still there have been some fantastic highlights from this season. Here are my three candidates. Um, we're going to first talk about Miles Bridges dunking all over Clint Capella. One of my favorite dunks of the year. If you guys haven't seen it, I mean, he was basically just going down the middle and then, man, against one of the best rim protectors in basketball. That was one of the, probably one of the best dunks of the year. Then we're going to go to a game-winner, Luka Doncic versus the Memphis Grizzlies, being double-teamed at the three-point line, falling forward, somehow hitting it and winning the game. I still don't know how he was able to hit that, but that's Luka magic for you, man. That's Luka magic. And then, I hate to say this, I hate to say this, but Anthony Edwards dunking all over the Toronto Raptors and Utah Watanabe. I mean, the, the way that he dunked on him, poor Utah was dunking. And then they, there's that picture of um, basically um, Anthony Edwards teabagging poor Utah Watanave on the floor. It, it, it was so bad. But man, that, that was such a sick dunk. One of the best dunks I've seen in years. Tony, what are your top three highlights of the year?
0: So we have two of three because the Bridges dunk I love too. And the Aunt Edwards dunk was just to see him afterwards. Like, this is kind of when I really started to like him. He's looking at the jumbotron. He's like, oh, man. Like, that kid smile on his face. Like, look, that's me. I just did that. I just teabagged this homie on national television. Like, oh, man, I'm pretty good. He's, like, fixing his collar. Like, he that dunk is so furious and it's contested. I really love that play and his reaction afterwards. Like, look, Bob, I'm on TV. It was great. The last thing, it's not necessarily a play. It is the Clint Capella 10-block triple-double. I don't know if you Ooh. remember that. Oh, my gosh, he, yeah. He gets 10 blocks. This is the crazy thing. He didn't foul. He didn't commit one foul in that game and got 10 blocks. So it's not necessarily a single play, but it was that fact that he – recorded 10 blocks in this NBA and did not record one foul. I could have picked any of those 10 swats. There probably were some that were more, you know, impressive than others, but that was just a great stat line and stat to me.
1: Yeah, no, those are, that's definitely a good one. I mean, Quinn Capella saved me in fantasy that week for sure. I mean, I couldn't have pulled off at the end, but man, Quinn Capella was a beast there, just getting rebounds, getting blocks. And that game was honestly a fun watch, fun defensive plays, which you don't you don't see much in this NBA. My highlight of the year, though, Again, I hate to say it, but that Anthony Edwards dunk was just too nasty. That was just too nasty. Just him, like, I mean, you mentioned him just looking up the jumbo chart. I mean, he was showing, like, Jordan McLaughlin or whatever his name is. He was like, look, look at that. Man, oh, I just did that. Yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> that was really cool. And poor Utah was being memed all over Instagram and Twitter. I felt bad for the guy because he's actually had a solid season for us. But, oh, man, that dunk, especially the way that Utah fell to the floor back first as well. I mean – you can't get as like, that's as good as a poster you're going to get, but what's your highlight of the year?
0: It, it, no, it's that one. And so since you've already, we've already covered pretty much everything out, I will say this, I'm not into top shot, which means it's going to be famous and huge. And anybody who invests in it is going yeah. to make a ton of money um, because that's just how my life works. But <laughs> if I could have one top shot, that's what it would be like. That would be the one like highlight, you know, 3d futuristic card that you could own. Yeah. that is that is it right there
1: yeah i personally would not want that poster because it's against the raptors but man i could watch like honestly if it wasn't the raptors i would watch that literally every day just because it's, it's such a sick play it's so so nice
0: he didn't and that the difference between the bridges and him is that bridges kind of throws it he's got a little extension away it's still impressive yeah. don't get me wrong but edwards actually grabs the rim like he's about to rip it <laughs> from the yeah. backboard it's ridiculous <laughs>
1: He used like Utah Watanabe as like elevation as well, just to get even higher than he was. I mean, uh, oh, that, that was just a nasty, nasty dunk, and it should be highlight of the year. Basically, if anyone has seen it, oh my goodness, it's been nasty. But let's go back to the normal awards. We got three more awards to go. Obviously, we're gonna save the the granddaddy of them all for the last one. But let's go. Let's let's not talk about the players right now. Let's talk about the guys with the polos now right it's not it's not the suit and ties anymore it's the polos on the sideline let's talk about coach of the year Tony who are your three candidates for this award
0: okay um it's pretty simple it is Monty Williams it is Quinn Schneider and Tom Thibodeau so all three of these guys put their teams in positions now earlier I had this Sixers on my list as a surprise team but for me it's not that much of a surprise that doc did it right. Like because he's a veteran winning coach. And so it's like, oh, he's done this before with the Celtics, with the Clippers, even in Orlando, like he's had success. Um, It's the other, it's the other three coaches that I named where I'm like, okay, this is, this was a more Herculean effort. What you accomplished.
1: Yeah, for sure. And we have the exact same candidates, Quinn Snyder, Tom Thibodeau, Monty Williams. I mean, a lot of people, the, the thing that's going to hurt Monty Williams in this conversation is that people are going to give a lot of the credit to Chris Paul, who many dubbed to be the um, on-court coach, but he's done a lot. I mean, he's carried that momentum from the bubble last year going 8-0 and and just continued to help improve his team. Um, and he's been a, a, I mean, not a lot of people talk about him, but he's been a massive part to that team's success. Tom Thibodeau, we talked about the Knicks enough. I mean, he, has just instilled instilled his culture there, and it's been resulting in wins and success. And Quinn Snyder, I mean, the biggest thing that he has implemented to his system, which he hasn't in previous years, is just shooting the three ball at will. They have the players to do it, Donovan Mitchell, Boyan Bogdanovich, Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, I could just go on and on. And he has implemented that to his system, and that is what elevated them from a good team. To an elite team and we're gonna have to see if this is going to translate to the playoffs. But man, this what he has done some wonders for that Utah Jazz team who hasn't who haven't made a lot of moves in the offseason. This is just like in in house growth as well. So that has been extremely, extremely impressive. But Tony, who is your coach of the year?
0: Okay. So I've been on the fence and I decided that in show, I was going to make up my mind on the fly, whatever I was feeling. That's what I was good. This is literally how I did this. I wrote down the three names of the guys I thought, and I could not pick because I had different reasons for each of them. You know, like what Thibodeau was able to do in a market like New York, you know, with so many question marks and who's going to be the real star and, you know, to get Derrick Rose, all that stuff. Right. You know, Bonnie Williams, he has CP3, but I mean, really the first time in the playoffs in forever, but in this moment right now, I have just decided, Quinn Schneider, and for this main reason, every coach of the year that I can think of, like I said, Doc Rivers could have been on my list of three or whatever, they all have an MVP candidate. I don't believe that the Jazz have an MVP candidate. It's sort of like I keep comparing this Jazz team, when healthy, to the Pistons, you know, not the early Pistons, but the the 6 4 Pistons in that gap there because it's so unselfish. They shoot – this Jazz team shoots the three ball better because it's a generational thing, but the way they play team defense and they rally around that – I just have to say, if you can have the number one seed in the Western Conference with no legitimate – I can make a case for Donovan Mitchell if he plays 68 games. But the injury hurt him. Because at the midseason, I had Mitchell at five. But I'm going with Quinn Schneider as doing this without a locked-in MVP candidate.
1: Yeah, that's a very, very good choice. Um, this was a tough one for me because, like like you mentioned, you can make a very solid argument for all three of these teams. But I do not want to – I don't want to, like, um, doubt, downplay Monty's, Monty Williams. Um, what he's done for the team is because Chris Paul joined, but I'm giving this award to Monty Williams. Um, you could tell that he started implementing his system, his philosophy to the team kind of you ha- you saw that in the NBA bubble and the way that he's able to continue to do that, have the Phoenix Suns be top 10 on both ends of the court. I mean, I mean, Chris Paul, yes, he has been absolutely fantastic, but Monty Williams has has drawn up the game plan. And this is like the first time the Suns have been in the playoffs in 11 years. And a lot of that has to do with, how much of a motivator he is. I know a lot of like, he's just a player's coach, no matter whoever you, player you that used to play for him, who wants to talk about him. He's going to talk about how he's a player's coach. He understands the players, obviously being a former player himself. And man, he has done such a great job for that son's team. And I think that he deserves to win coach of the year, but Quinn Snyder, again, a very good choice. Tom Thibodeau, a good choice.
0: Yep, I think I will be fine with whoever wins Coach of the Year. You will not get any argument out of me.
1: Same here, same here. Let's go to the second last award. We're going to be talking about the Defensive Player of the Year. And I think this year has gotten a lot more buzz than any other year because there are two people on different sides of the spectrum. What's more important, an all-around defender like a Ben Simmons or the rim-protecting Um, big man like a Rudy Gobert. So, yeah, that has been a massive discussion. And I think the defensive player of the year has been basically talked about a lot more than it has in previous years. But here are my three candidates. Rudy Gobert, once again, two-time winner before. The Jazz are still a top three defense. Um, He leads the league in blocks 2.7 blocks per game. Um, he's leading the league league in defensive win shares, and he's also one of the best in rebounding rate, which is extremely important if you're a defensive player being able to get the rebounds. Um, I for one say that big man defense is more important than perimeter defense. And over the past few years, you've seen Rudy Gobert's impact on the team on the defensive end and how it has correlated to wins. The other, um, the other um, candidates I have, Ben Simmons. One of the guys in the league you could trust defending um, um, positions one to four. Very good. Um, Tess taking a dip offensively for sure, but, man, he's such a good defender. And then number three, I got Bam Adebayo. I don't think people talk about how great of a defender he is at such a young age. The Heat are finally turning it up. They are still a top-five defense in basketball. And Bam Adebayo's switchability, his his ability to um, defend the rim perimeter, is, is, is just so good, and I believe he is one of my candidates. Tony, who do you got as your three candidates?
0: Um, so I agree on the the two heavies there. Um, and when I talk about my winner, I will spread some more shine as to why I think he is the uh, defensive player of the year. But the guy that I threw a little bit of love his way, uh, he was in my highlight segment and that's Clint Capella. I think that his, his rebounding, his, his blocking ability. Yes. He's behind Uh, Gobert in in the blocks category but I just think he's a really big part of some of the success that the Hawks have had and if the Hawks had better team defense I think he could really stand out a lot more in this category it's just a lot of times when I'm watching the transition defense with the Hawks isn't good I'm always seeing guys get smoked to the rim like Trey Young's getting burned or John Collins didn't make the the right move and I think it's just there's a lot of young players and once they learn how to focus and play defense right it's also too like it's just such an athletic league that playing team defense really is there I was going to open up by saying like now hear me out Alex Caruso may not be um
1: (laughs) oh okay let's get into this let's go
0: No, I just I was I'm just I'm messing with you. I I do love I do love Alex Caruso and his defense, but he's not a defensive player of the year, Cannon. Yeah. He's a fantastic defender, but not on this level.
1: Yeah. I like your point about Clint Capella there. I mean, I honestly really want to show him some love and put him in this category, but man, the the Hawks team defense is not doing him any um doing him any favors. And I think with Clint Capella, although he isn't kind of like the anchor that Gobert is and stuff like that, same thing with Bam Adebayo. But he makes up for a lot of the mistakes that the Hawks do on, def- on the defense. And they trust him because he'll be there in the paint. I mean, he did get dunked on by Miles Bridges, but he'll always be there. He'll always jump with them. And, you know, that that's admirable. And I think he is a big reason why the Hawks are in the position they are, like how good they have been this season. But, yeah, that team defense, man, oh, man. It, it's, it, it, so it's rough. Bad. It's, it's rough. so
0: bad to watch it, the Hawks play defense.
1: It is. It is. But in terms of my winner – I kind of hinted at it before. I'm not afraid to say it. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is my defensive player of the year. I think that he is the best player under the Utah Jazz. He is the most impactful player. And a lot of their success is correlated to how well he does on the defensive end. Um, I, I mentioned the stats earlier, one of the best rebounders in basketball. And he's honestly, I mean, this is defensive player of the year, but he's also improved his offensive game this year. But yeah, his defensive impact, I think, Although he cannot switch, um, cannot switch much like a Ben Simmons stuff like that, I think his impact is second to none. He is my defensive player of the year.
0: Love it! You ready for a little offensive French accent? Oh, ho, 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 here we go! <laughs> Je voudrais un Ben Simmons. Um, wow, I you're like... using
1: you're using his accent and not naming Rudy Gobert. You That's like that?
0: I took French for five years and all I could remember off the top of my head right now was I would, I like a Ben Simmons. It was, that's terrible. (laughs) Feel free to cut this out before I get canceled by all of, uh, you know, Montreal, Canada up there. Um, (laughs) I also did the Pepe LaPia, which I'm pretty sure is like the next thing to get whacked off the internet for being offensive. Uh, Here's Ben Simmons. And the reason that I like him the best, I said earlier in the year when you saw what he did to Donovan Mitchell, who was just on an absolute tear, making him throw a chair, like getting ejected or whatever happened in that game when Ben Simmons was guarding him. And I believe this. We are seeing every night teams taking 33 pointers plus three pointers a game. I just believe that defending the perimeter and that ability to lock up that is going to shine more in the regular season. I have also watched Rudy Gobert absolutely get toasted by like AD and like some of the more skilled guys. Yes, he deters people from coming into the lane, which I think really helps their team defense. And it helps their perimeter defenders stay in front of their guy because if they turn the corner, they're coming into Rudy, right? But 15, 20 years ago, Gobert would have been hands down amazing because people were still trying to get to the basket on a regular basis. Now I'm just seeing people, it just rotates around the world, and then some guy who shoots 37% gets a corner three. The thing is, is that if you can play the smothering defense on the perimeter, if Ben Simmons can lock up your point guard, I want to see Ben Simmons lock up James Harden, a healthy Kyrie Irvin at the end in a Brooklyn Sixers Eastern conference finals. But I believe the more important defense to me is the perimeter defense because of where the game is at now and the skilled players who have the ball uh, being able to keep them from ever getting to the center.
1: Yeah. I mean, that is a, definitely a good point. I mean, especially with the amount of threes they are that the NBA is shooting. Like nowadays, it is definitely important. I still believe that, Getting rid of the most of the easiest shot in basketball, which is a layup, is extremely important. And I that's why I have Rudy Gobert as a winner. But people will make the, the argument for Simmons. I could definitely see where they're coming from. I know Ben Simmons has been bigging himself up all year. I mean, I I don't know if that's like deterring me away from him as well, because it feels like he's talking about this award every other day. But man, Rudy Gobert has already won two of these. I think like I believe he's gonna he's on his way to a third one. But Ben Simmons, yeah, that's still a definitely a good choice. Let's get to the big one. Let's get to the Big Mac. Let's get to the freaking Whopper, the granddaddy of them all, MVP. The one that everyone has been freaking debating every year, every I mean, all season long, the one that everyone's talking about. Let's talk MVP. Tony, we're going to start it off with you this time. Who are your three MVP candidates?
0: So my MVP candidates in no particular order, throwing out CP3, putting Steph in the conversation and the Joker. Now I only had one of these guys on my mid season list, which you gave me a hard time for on the Friday show. We used to do on project dribble, right? You were like, how can you not have Joker on your list? What's up with all this Steph Curry slander? Everybody who knows me, I think that Steph Curry gets overvalued, right? And I believe we'll see it again in the playoffs where the team defense steps up and it gets harder to make a lot of these three-pointers. He's amazing. He's wonderful. He's top 20 all time. We could get into all that stuff. He's wonderful. What he's been able to do this year really did kind of make me turn a corner on Steph Curry. I didn't think he could carry this Warriors team to a playoff berth. So I put him in there at number three, Embiid missed too many games, Harden switched teams, quit at the beginning of the year in my estimation, missed too many games late. Um, other guys that, that were in the conversation at my midway point also got injured. Guys like, the, like I said, Donovan Mitchell was at my five. He got injured. So that's that's where I'm going with at, um, CP3, Steph, and, uh, and the Joker.
1: Interesting, interesting choices. There's a lot of arguments to be made here. We have one guy um, we have like in the same as our in our candidates. We both have Nikola Jokic. Um, people talk about him every day. This guy has just been like, the, like carrying the load on offense for the Denver Nuggets. Has been absolutely impressive to see. I know people don't want to talk about this for the third year in a row, but I have Giannis Antetokounmpo still in my MVP discussions. I know he's won two years in a row, but he's still putting out the numbers, 28, 11, and 6 still like the anchor of their defense has even gotten higher in terms of field goal percentage. I think still deserves to be in the conversation. And then I also have Joel Embiid again, this is where my rule earlier is coming into effect. I know like injuries are a huge thing in terms of these awards, but I'm going to give it a little pass, especially with this weird, weird season that, that we're in. And Embiid is having the best season of his career by far, almost 30 points a game, almost 11 rebounds um 52% from the field, highest percentage from 3 and is just killing teams like on all three levels. I mean, he is attempting the most free throws in the NBA and he's like hitting them at 86%. Man, but um yeah, he would be definitely like um in ter- like in terms of him winning the award, I I wish I could have him a bit higher, but yeah, those are my three candidates. But Tony, who do you have as this season's NBA m v p
0: okay so before i release that the problem with Embiid and me is that if he missed the games because of like covid protocol restrictions or something it would be one thing but it's not that's not the case why he's missing so many games like he i believe he's the best maybe the best player in the nba right now like if he's healthy and playing all the time he's unstoppable he's amazing and he can play defense like I really believe he might be the best player in basketball. He's Shaq with a three-pointer. It's freaking insane what this guy can do. Like, I love Joel Embiid. I have a jersey. I should have hung that jersey today. Anyways, my MVP, and I fought you on this tooth and nail all the way, all season long, every time we would bring him up. It's the Joker. This guy, what he's been able to do, and the, the Nets – or the Nuggets, excuse me, got better. Not better, but they, like, kept winning when they lost their point guard because their point guard is actually a seven-foot giant guy with no vertical who plays point center at the middle, top of the key. He's absolutely uh, sensational to watch. Uh I believe there'll be another narrative with uh an MVP with an early exit in the playoffs, which will not be his fault as to where I believe I could make a case that it's Giannis's fault that they didn't get past it in the past. I believe he will do everything he possibly can in a series to help his team win. And that will be averaging a triple double in a series second round exit loss or you know, whatever it is.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to have to agree with you there. My MVP this year is the Joker, Nikola Jokic. The fact that they're what? I think like 13-4 and or 12-4 and when Jamal Murray is down just shows that how much of an impact the Joker actually makes. And it's so like, how do I want to say it? It's just like, he's so unassuming. Like he doesn't feel like he's trying out there. He just does it so casually, like a full court pass, a pass like to a cutter, him hitting the three ball at such a high rate, almost 40% this year. He has just made such a huge impact on that Denver Nuggets team. And they they have like a top four seed in the West. And for like a good chunk of that, no Jamal Murray. They obviously added Aaron Gordon midseason. And he has benefited from playing beside Nikola Jokic. He just does everything on the court. And it's honestly something that I've never seen from a player of his stature, a player of his size, it's, it's honestly like a joy to watch. And the thing about him come playoff time is that in years past, he's gotten better, which is scary for teams when you go up against him. I mean, we talk about Paul George and how he has like lowered his game in the playoffs. We could talk about Giannis Kumpo struggles, Joel Embiid's. The Joker elevates his game, and you just know that's going to happen um, come playoff time again. Whether they make it past the first round or not, we're going to have to wait and see. But he's not going to go down without fighting Nikola Jokic, man. He has just been absolutely on a tear this year and he hasn't missed a game and he hasn't missed a game as well so yeah good good on nicole Jokic. we both agree that he is the mvp
0: yep that's why he's mine you play you play all 60 something games in this craziness you don't get you you know you you stay in the hotel rooms you wear the masks so you don't miss anything there you look like you know you should be a i don't know like a an accountant, your body looks like like that of somebody who crunches numbers all day, but yet you dominate on the court. I love the Joker, um, and he was hands down. I want to talk to you about this Giannis business. What his numbers went down in scoring and rebound, like his numbers went down. The team record went down. Why is he still in the conversation?
1: He still has the same impact, even though his team is third. Oh, they, they might be second um, by the end of the season. There's still a little bit of hope they can get the second seed. But I, I think a lot of people, why they don't have him there is that we've seen this before, but I, I don't think that's a reason why they shouldn't. It's kind of like the LeBron treatment in the sense where we see LeBron do this year in, year out, and people just kind of get tired of it. We're getting to that point with Giannis, and I don't want people to like completely disregard what he's doing, although with the playoff mishaps in the past, he's still putting up amazing numbers and I don't want to discredit him like through any of that. Um, I still have him as an MVP candidate. I know like a lot of people are actually going to disagree with that. I am hundred percent sure that's the case, but yeah, I still think he's having an amazing season um, in terms of him playing at an MVP level. Love it. Love it. Love it. But yeah, those are all the awards. I know that was a lot to take in, but let me know down below. Who are you guys winners? Even for the fun awards, the usual awards, just leave it down in the comment section below. DM either of us if you don't disagree with any of our picks. Just, just uh, or comment down in the in the um, in the Instagram post. Do whatever you need to do. But we went through, we, This was a long episode, probably the longest episode of this episode of the season. Congrats to everyone. They're probably not going to hear this, but you know, they 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 definitely put on a show this season. Before we sign off, Tony, tell us what, what's going on with um, with you with Warzone Sports Network, and why did you check you out going forward?
0: Absolutely. Appreciate everybody uh, who tuned into this. And uh, Warzone Sports Network, uh, go to YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. It's all over the place. Um, join the conversation. We want to talk sports with people. We want you to explain to us why we're wrong about our foolish sports predictions over – at the warzone sports network thank you for having me tv
1: of course of course and we're definitely going to have you on during the playoffs um and expect guys just expect more guests coming through because we're going to try and get um some people here to talk some playoff basketball which is coming very very soon but yeah this is where we're gonna end today's episode thank you guys for watching remember to follow at tv on basketball on twitter facebook and instagram for updates on the podcast and for other content Remember to to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We hit the notification bell so you won't miss an episode and just show some love on any of the podcast networks. Leave a positive review. I really do appreciate you all. I'm going to have all the links to Warzone sports network and Tony's Instagram in my link tree. So definitely go check that out. But this is, we're going to end things. Thank you guys for watching. Hope you all have a fantastic day. TV signing out, Tony signing out. Take it easy guys. Peace.